You are experiencing the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty. It is uh, October 30th, 2023, um, and we're here with the same old knuckleheads, but we got some different topics to talk about today. Um, a lot of times we have a guest, but today we're just kind of going over some of the recent news uh, in giving it our take. Uh, some of the topics we're going to be talking about today are the House Speaker saga, which has been just kind of crazy with the Republicans and 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 I guess <laughs> the, the story of McCarthy, Gates, and now Johnson. So these are kind of a you know, weird path we've taken. We're going to talk a little bit about the sad state of our education, which uh, it never seems to be in a good state with our public education. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and and finally, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, um, Hillary, our, our sort of our big brother out there who wants to kind of be molding what we're thinking there. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in our Knucklehead Noise Patrol. Um, but before we get into any of that, let me introduce you to our panel. In our lower left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in Liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. And in our lower right-hand corner, we have our screaming eagle of freedom, Tim Everett. He is a pilot in the state of California. My name is Jason McPhee, and I'll be your guest. And our invisible hand is James Just, and we just don't give him enough accolades so thanks james for uh, being there as our invisible hand um and he's the one who kind of will be moving things around for us and stuff during the show um okay well uh let's get into the speaker issues uh so the you know in the uh, last uh, election cycle uh, the house went over to the Republicans by five votes and they wound up then getting the speaker in uh, and that wound up being uh, Mike McCarthy, but it has been anything. Kevin, 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 Kevin McCarthy. (laughs) It's it's not even smooth for me, uh, him getting it, (laughs) me getting his name right. (laughs) Well, but anyways, uh, for, for Kevin McCarthy and, um, yeah, it was uh, something where uh, maybe we could get the visual, James. Uh, he wound up taking a historic 15 ballots before enough Republicans came behind him to uh, to to get him through. And, you know, some of the issues were that uh, groups like the Freedom Caucus, they really wanted reforms and they, they weren't happy with the same old same old uh deal making going on behind the scenes and you know there's some of them who are really upset with the levels of debt and that we just aren't addressing this stuff and so this is kind of the backdrop to why it took so many and so they they wrangled a bunch of concessions out of him and and by the way the guy who who was instrumental in this is matt gates and we're going to talk a little bit about him too as we go through this saga um but uh here's a a, a mother jones article and i kind of like it because they put uh they 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 put a list here of the things that uh, they got out of him in order to make him speaker. Um, And there was a a kind of some interesting things. One is that it only takes now one member of the house to essentially call a vote uh, on the, on the speaker, if they have no confidence in them. Um, So before I think it took a group of at least five and, Now they, this kind of empowers individual members to say, "Hey, this this just isn't right. What's going on? You know, uh, here in here in the house, and that'll come into play as well as we go through the 
<laughs> so just a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, but there, there were some other issues, too. One is uh, they, they wanted to um, make it easier to cap some of the military spending. Um, they, they wanted to give people at least 72 hours to read bills, which, you know, if you remember people like Nancy Pelosi saying, hey, look, we can find out what's in these bills after we pass. Them. Yes, I guess. <laughs> famous quote right but i mean so, so these are some of the noble changes that some of these people were trying to get through um and so the cha charge was uh, kind of led by matt gates and there were some others uh as as well some notables i think for a little bit uh there uh, uh marjorie taylor green was in on it and um uh, chip roy and some of these others were were sort of uh uh you know, leading the charge here, but eventually it was sort of almost Matt Gates standing behind by himself, getting as many of these as he could. Um, and so that's, that's sort of, uh, it gives you a sense a little bit about um, what some of the changes were. I, I don't know if either of you guys have any thoughts on any of those changes that came through that I might not have mentioned here the, uh, that you thought were important changes. Um, well, one, uh, of the, one of the big, the big changes that they were, trying to institute was that they were going to pass on individual votes all 12 appropriation bills for the um for for the budget oh, yeah. for, for the federal budget that was that was a big deal for for the freedom caucus and um in making the deal for um in making the deal for the um uh, well uh, uh kevin mccarthy who became the, the speaker he had agreed to this he had agreed to this change this was major and instead of having this large omnibus bill with everything in, included in it, every, everything on the kitchen sink included, they were going to do the individual bills. Now, when McCarthy made a little deal to, um, to avoid the, the government shutdown, he sort of violated that um he sort of violated that 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 agreement. Well, 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 Leon, let's see, you're you're jumping right over into the next thing. So I just wanted to make sure that we had the point. So, but that definitely foreshadows the issue coming up. So we had this issue with, you know, uh, Matt Gates getting these points in for the speaker that you know he agreed to this stuff when yeah. he when, when he uh, when people decide said they'd vote for him, he literally pretty much signed a pledge i think saying that hey this is this is what i'm going to do as your speaker okay so it turned out that <laughs> um after uh you know he he got this power um in recent negotiations um they they wanted to uh essentially they were coming up on the um uh the the, the uh budget spending limits and yeah. and of course biden wanted more money uh, like an extra 100 billion or so to, to fund ukraine um as part of uh the spending package and there were many republicans who were not on board with this and and so in fact it was a majority of the republicans who had said hey look we, we think we've spent enough on ukraine we don't want to spend anymore and uh, and then, lo and behold, somehow the budget passes, <laughs> and, uh, even though there was a majority of Republicans in the you know ma majority um, you know party in the House, uh, it shouldn't have been able to pass, but it did. And it's because uh, McCarthy turned around and cut a secret deal with Biden, uh, yes. and then with Democrat support, wound up uh, you know pushing this budget through that had all this Ukraine spending in it. Um, when there were many Republicans who wanted to see actual spending cuts, uh, at least in other areas and, and, and such. And so uh, this then uh, preceded uh, a uh, 
Matt Gates then to call for use that power that he had gotten as just one man standing up to call for uh, the, the the speaker to be voted out of office. Yeah. And so, in, in fact, <clears throat> here are two video clips. We're going to play one uh, comment just briefly, and then play the other. But of Matt Gates standing up in Congress and saying why he felt that. You know, uh, Matt Gates had violated the, this agreement. Uh, Ke Kevin McCarthy had violated. Oh, oh the excuse me. Yeah, yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Sorry, boy, this Kevin McCarthy thing just is not going smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> More ways than the Speaker of the House has responded to these reports of a secret side deal on money for Ukraine, opaquely stating that he still wants to fund Ukraine and our border. I have a few replies to this statement. First, the speaker's statement confirms the existence of a secret deal. And I have talked to members of our own leadership who have said they didn't even know that Speaker McCarthy was negotiating a secret side deal outside of our conference, outside of his own leadership team, for the sake of Ukraine. Second, Ukraine has lost the support of a majority of the majority. The last time there was a freestanding Ukraine vote on this floor, it was last week. 101 Republicans voted for it. 117 Republicans voted against it. According to the Hastert rule, which Speaker McCarthy agreed to in January, you cannot use Democrats to roll a majority of the majority, certainly on something as consequential as Ukraine. So for all the crocodile tears about what may happen later this week about a motion to vacate, Working with the Democrats is a yellow brick road that has been paved by Speaker McCarthy, whether it was the debt limit deal, the CR, or now the secret deal on Ukraine. So that's that's uh, uh, Matt Gates, and he is standing up in front of Congress saying that, hey, look, this guy violated the agreement that he had given, and that's why we're trying to vote him out. <laughs> and, um, and and by the way, um, the, the other one of the other issues is the one that Leon brought up here, too, and that's what Mike Gates is going to speak to in this next video clip about separating uh, these things so that they're not just all packaged together like sausage so that the American public can <laughs> see these things voted on one, one after another. So uh, maybe we could play that second video clip. The American people deserve single subject bills. I get that a lot of folks might disagree with my perspectives on the border or on Ukraine, but can we at least agree that no matter how you feel about Ukraine or the southern border, they each deserve the dignity of their own consideration and should not be rolled together where they might pass where each individually wouldn't? This is what we're trying to get away from. This is the spirit of the January agreement we made with the speaker. No more lashing these disparate issues together so that the American people's interests are subjugated here on the floor of the House. So I, I don't know. For, to me, that sounds like music to my ears. I mean, this sounds like almost like a libertarian got in. It's <laughs> making some changes about making things much more transparent in so, in Congress, yeah. and and so that we can literally vote down stupid things that the people wouldn't be for, like maybe spending more money on that Ukraine war that Biden loves so much. <laughs> uh, so anyways, well, what do you guys think about this? Uh, this is pretty monumental, this uh, this kind of stuff, and it's coming from a Republican. Um, well, you see, I think, I think um, well, Gates is right, okay? Maybe people might uh, disagree about his style. He was right in terms of McCarthy, McCarthy made, making this deal with, with Biden 
with the continued res resolution to avoid the shutdown. And my problem with this avoidance of the shutdown, everybody in the media is saying, oh, the Republicans will be blamed, where the Republicans will be blamed for, for this. Well, I was wondering then, we are one year away from the from um, from the next the next elections, which will occur in twenty twenty four. If now is not a time to fight for some of your your principles, your, your in terms of the the budget, or in terms of how you go about funding the government, if now is not a time to fight for that, when will be? So because the Republicans did everything to avoid the shutdown, why, why? When are we going to fight? When are we going to see a real fight about our spending? Our debt is out of control. Our deficit is at almost historic levels. So when are we going to fight? When are we going to save the country from the mountain of debt that is crushing us? And this is the problem, even though some will argue, well, McCarthy was a good conservative. He just wanted to put, put things off so that after the the um the 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 forty five days or whatever it is they agreed to, where well, they could get back on the horse and start fighting, I I am tired of seeing this can being kicked down the road. It's time we do something about this debt. The debt is crushing us, and if we don't do anything about it, we're gonna be in real trouble. So yeah, and, and well, real quick too, before before you go on, let me just bring up the visual. We've shown this a lot of times on our show, but here is our debt to GDP, and you can see this is our Congressional Budget Office, and you can literally just see that this is what our government is projecting. Our debt is headed to you know the idea that it's just outstripping our productivity uh, massively going into the future with no end in sight. Uh, and of course, that comes at the expense of all of the things we could do be doing with our resources. I'll be going to debt service right now. I think it's 15%. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. So you guys understand the consequence of, of what Leon's talking about there. Um, and, and the idea that, uh, you know, the, the, these arguments over the, the, the debt ceiling are, are important. Uh, so anyways, I, I hand it back to you guys. And the other thing too, the other thing too, now everybody um, criticized the fact that, Oh, Matt Gates was this rabbi Rosa who, who was uh who was jumping up and down and he he caused the um the um, McCarthy to be to be to be um kicked out of the speakership. The fact of the matter is, whether we like it or not, Kevin McCarthy agreed to one one person, one member of the house being able to file the motion to vacate. He agreed to it. So you may be you may not like uh Matt Matt Gates style, but he lived by the rules. That was set up in January, so and so Kevin McCarthy and company have to live with the consequences of that of that agreement. So here we are. All righty, yeah. Um, it reminds me of campaign promises made by uh, uh, politicians, and I, I wonder if if he just agreed to these rules just just to get in to become Speaker McCarthy if he did that with the intention, a future intention, of just not abiding by those rules <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, because you you, just... you, Tim, do you mean politicians don't be li like lied to by other politicians the way they do to all their constituents? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, so, so uh, yeah, what... Why don't we make uh, Matt Getz the Speaker of the House? It sounds like he's uh, 
he's one that would uh, abide by any agreements that he uh, entered into. And of course, he's already philosophically in favor of these kinds of limitations, like uh, segmenting the bills to vote individually on them, which, yeah, that's that's a great idea. And, um, and this 72-hour thing, instead of pass it to see what's inside of it, stuff, this nonsense, this complete, yeah. you know, ridiculous set, you know, how we're set up now. And no wonder we're 33 and, you know, plus almost 34 trillion in debt. Uh, no wonder. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I just wonder, oh, also, um, is, are these rules going to be passed over to the next Speaker of the House, or is this just for this McCarthy guy? No, the rules the rules are in place right now. So, for instance, the new Speaker have to live by the by the rules that are in place unless the House vote to change them. So, like for instance, the motion to vacate that is a one a one member one member can file a motion to vacate. Okay, and that rule is still in place. Now they can change it, but they will have to. The, the House members will have to will have to vote on it, I and see. if if they vote on it, then it, it could be changed. Okay. You, you know well, that there is one other thing too on that same note that uh, uh, that I've heard. Uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to Justin Amash speak on before uh, the idea of of individual members having the uh, the freedom to be able to introduce things themselves without going through some committee of their party uh, to be able to get things in. Um, this is, I think, also one of the things that's in there as well that uh, members have more freedom now to be able to actually introduce things to the public, uh, so you can hear them without having this filter of the party being able to just, you know, whatever the uh, powers that be think is deems okay to bring up in, in front of the, the entire Congress. Yes. yes. And by the way, my liberal friends are have voiced discontent with all this uh, wrangling going on by the Republicans. They want the Republicans to just lay over and give Biden whatever he wants. You know, so they look at this as a horrible thing that these evil Republicans are doing to the country. And uh, meanwhile, <laughs> these these few people that put these rules in place are the only ones that have a, a semblance of an idea of where we're headed and how to, how to try to avoid it. Um, and so, you know, they're the only ones doing anything that's, that's worthwhile for the for the longevity of the country. But my liberal friends just don't like it because they want every bill passed, every spending thing done, whatever Democrats want, whatever they want, not Republicans, but Democrats, to no end. I mean, to absolutely no end. It just amazes me. It just amazes. Yeah. And you know, honestly, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not a particular fan of Matt's gate, of Matt, Matt Gates, but he made that one point that I really like is that. And there, there have been a long-standing tradition. I don't know if it's really a house rule, but it's a long-standing tradition with the, within the Republican conference that you cannot use, you cannot use the um, the 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 um, the other party, the the um, the Democrats in this case, to to overcome to overcome resistance in the in in, um, in the Republican conference. Well, I and, think it's the, the majority of the majority. He, he the majority of the majority, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. The majority of the majority. And, and 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 Kevin Kevin McCarthy did this, 
he used the, the Democrats to, to, to get to get through the um the um that 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 bill that averted the shutdown. So so I mean he he really put himself in a difficult position with some of the with some of his own members in in, in the Republican conference. So you know I mean like I said you may not like Gates' style, but as far as we can tell, he was living by the rules that were agreed to. So yeah, you, you well, it, the consequences. So so, so McCarthy lost the, the speakership. When, and these things certainly sound like a positive as far as I, I think libertarians are concerned. These things sound great. And I know there's a lot of other people who are sort of independent minded, not of the red, blue you know, gangs out there that yes. <laughs> would be our political representatives uh, that actually really appreciate what happened here uh, with Matt Gates taking a stand. But now, Tim, you raised a question. Well, why don't we just make Matt Gates the speaker? Well, part of the reason is because he pissed off an awful lot of Republicans when he oh, went he against did. the the, the, the oh, the party yes. leadership with this so yes. yeah yes. so i mean you have to have like a, a a huge majority you have to get over like 209 people to support you and there's no way he's he's kind of like persona non grata among the republicans right now but yeah. but somebody except, did get in well except for, but just except for probably uh, the members of the freedom caucus i don't think there's anybody else who support gates for for the um, for the speakership quite frankly yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well yeah, well, and of course, I, I, I realize that uh, all these things are, you know, impossible. And, and you know, I, I, it almost seems like getting the, the debt, stopping the, the precipitous climb the debt is, is in the middle of doing right now. Um, to stop that is probably equally impossible. But uh, these, these are steps in the right direction. And, you know. Yes. Yes. Just, yeah. Every everybody wants to keep kicking the can down the road, like Leon said. Yeah. Well, 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 well hold on. Be, be, on. Yes. Be, before you jump in, I, I want to get to these other clips before we have to break away from our our uh, public access audience. So uh, let me jump to the point where there is a, a speaker now. We've actually gotten to the point where uh, recently, uh, I think last week or so, the, the week, Republicans, yes. yeah, did uh, manage to to vote in a speaker, and his name is, um, I believe, it's uh, it, Mike Johnson. Ma- is Mike Johnson? Name. Yes. Yes. Of Louisiana. Yes. yes. And so we, if if you want to know, and, and by the way, here can we get the visual up on this too? Uh, um, there's an article. So here it shows uh, the House uh, essentially cheering for the guy, and he's the guy right in the middle here. And we're going to hear a video clip or two of him, so you actually get to hear what this guy is is capable of mentally, as far as his, uh, uh, you know, what what kind of person we're going to have in there. And I actually thought it was quite refreshing. Maybe we could, uh, it, it, we have these two video clips in there of him interrogating um, the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, um, Secretary Mike Mayorkas. And this is the guy who's all about, you know, regulating your speech online and all this other mm. kind of, you know, Orwellian stuff. And oh boy, this is, uh, this is Mike Johnson taking him to task. Uh, can we roll uh, clip number three? Before we move, Secretary before... Marcus, we have the frustrating responsibility on this committee of providing oversight of your agency. But I have to be honest and tell you, I'm not sure exactly what you do at the Department of Homeland Security other than great harm. On your watch, the data is pretty clear. We've had record levels of illegal immigration, a rapid decline in deportations, skyrocketing fentanyl deaths across our country. And the Secret Service, which is a DHS component, can't determine who left cocaine at the White House. In the middle of all this, you created the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA, 
which is a division of, 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 your, of DHS. And it's one of the Biden administration agencies that colluded with and coerced the social media companies to censor Americans' protected free speech online. That's specifically detailed in a 155-page court opinion that came out of the federal court in Louisiana in the landmark litigation of Missouri v. Biden. Have you read that court opinion? Uh, Congressman, I have not. And um, uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency does not censor speech. Okay. Well, that's, the court found otherwise. And it's really curious to me. Actually, it's quite alarming that you haven't read the opinion because your agency is listed in this opinion. The federal court looked at volumes of evidence over months of litigation, and they determined, among other things, that uh, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs, the states in this case are true, and, and hold on, the preliminary injunction was granted against your agency, sir, and other Biden administration agencies, including the DOJ and FBI, the court said it involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. And you're telling me this opinion issued July 4th has not reached your desk? No one's briefed you on it? Oh, I have been briefed on the Missouri litigation. Okay, but you haven't taken the time to read it yet. Congressman, um... No, hold on. Have you read it or not? I I have read parts of it, Congressman. Oh, parts of it. Did you read the parts where it said that this is Orwellian and dystopian and that your agency is involved in a massive cover-up of specifically conservatives' free speech online? Congressman, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is not involved in such conduct. Okay. Well, the court found otherwise, and you stand here under oath and you give us these answers that we know were not true because this is demonstrably untrue. I'm suggesting to you that you're saying things to us under oath that are proven by the record to be untrue. Let me ask you about this specifically. Um, Okay, so that was uh, that was a, a little bit of the clip of uh, Mike Johnson. So we just got to hear this is the guy who's going to be our speaker, and man, did he take my orchestra to task on on uh, uh, free speech issues? Uh, uh, Leon, you were about to jump in before we got to this. Uh, real quick, uh, no, it, the guy in there is Alexandro Alexandro Miocas, and you said Michael Miocas. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, I'm like Biden with names. Today. <laughs> I was I was going to say that, but I was going to say that, but I decided not to. <laughs> well, and, and but one thing that I wanted you to see though is that, uh, and James, maybe we could bring this visual up. Um, the, here is an article from the AP. So, I mean, you heard Mayorkas saying to in in response, that, "No, sorry, we don't do that." Well, this is literally an article from the Associated Press um, saying that. Uh, this is exactly here's here's the judge in the case U.S. Judge District uh, U.S. District Judge Terry Doherty of Louisiana, and here's what he said of the evidence in that case. He said uh, Doherty cited substantial. Let me let me highlight this here. Substantial evidence um, of far-reaching uh, of a far-reaching censorship campaign. Um, he wrote that the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario uh, during the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty. The United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Okay, so I mean, you, you know, and and quite frankly they go on and they talk about other things in the article too about them censoring 
conservatives and other stuff. This is what the court found. And and right. here, Mayorkas is just sitting there lying to Congress. And and Johnson is calling him on it. So, you know, uh, kudos to Johnson at, uh, for, for yes. doing this. And by the way, if you're listening to us on uh, public access, uh, we've reached the point of that show or, or point of our show where we're going to have to break away. Uh, but the conversation does continue online. We're going to talk a little bit more about Johnson's school choice and uh, uh, sort of Hillary's thought policing <laughs> here. Um, but uh, if, if you want to check out that, go online and you can find us on Facebook, uh, Spotify, Rumble, and YouTube. And you can also find a lot of other conversations we've had with other people fighting for liberty across the country and in your region. So leave us some comments there and go check out the rest of the conversation. Okay, so uh, we're back to uh, the show here and I wanted to uh, show you know, not only, you know, here's an AP article, it literally just gets behind everything that Johnson is saying, but let's hear a little bit more of Johnson bird-dogging Mayorkas, because, I mean, it is just, you know, profound that you just don't hear this this kind of caliber of uh, politicians holding these government agencies to, uh, you know, to uh, to task. Uh, so, James, could I get the, the next clip, clip four? Can you define what misinformation is? Congressman, um, misinformation is false information that is disseminated uh, to... Uh, Excellent. Who determines what is false? Uh, Congressman, our focus... No, our who focus. determines what is false in your agency? Congressman. If you're going to pull something off the Internet and collude with a social media platform to make sure Americans don't see it, who determines what's false? Congressman, we don't do that. That's not true. That is not true. That is not what the court has found. This is not a Republican talking point. This is what the documents show. We've had people testify under oath that say, and you just define the term, you're telling me that you don't know who determines what is false? Congressman, what we do at CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is identify the tactics that adverse nation states use to weaponize disinformation Okay, what is disinformation? What is disinformation? Disinformation is inaccurate information. Who determines what's inaccurate? Who determines what's false? Do you understand the problem here? The reason the framers of our Constitution did not create an exception for quote-unquote false information from the First Amendment is because they didn't trust the government to determine what it is. And you have whole committees of people in your agency trying to determine what they, de they determine, they define as false or misinformation. That is not true. Well, then what is true? What we Please do enlighten us. Is what we do is we disclose the tactics that adverse nation states are utilizing to weaponize no, sir. information. No, sir. The court found specifically it's a finding of fact that is not disputed by the government defendants, the Biden administration, your agency, the FBI, or DHS, not in the litigation. They determined you made, you and all of your cohorts made no distinction between domestic speech and foreign speech. So don't stand there and tell me under oath that you only focused on adverse, you know, uh, adversaries around the world, foreign actors. That's not true. Congressman, the, um, the Missouri case, the litigation to which you refer, is the, the subject of continuing litigation. But the facts were not disputed, and I so, so regret that I'm out of time. I hope I get some more yielded. I yield back. Gentlemen, yield so there you have it. That's that's our new speaker. And well, I tell you, I, I think if our founding fathers were here, there'd be a standing ovation for for Mike Johnson on trying yes. to hold our government accountable. And I, you know, if, if this were a libertarian, I don't think a libertarian could have said it any better than Mike Johnson said it in that particular thing. Anyways, uh, what do you guys think about this? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> 
Tim, uh, Tim. Go ahead, Leon, because I couldn't hear it. And oh. I've got I've got it. Well well the thing is the thing is that um this Alexandria Marocas, he's the same guy who have gone under oath and tell us that the border is secure, and then we have millions of people pouring across our borders since Biden has been president, okay? But he's been insisting the border is secure. So I don't know how they define secure. Now we don't know how we define what is false. He don't define, um, well, he, he, he have defined them, but he can't tell us who determines what is false and what is inaccurate, okay? This department, the, the Department of Homeland Security, is a serious problematic agency. They are colluding with the, with the social media platforms to censor Americans. I don't care what your political beliefs are, okay? The government has no right to be censoring censoring our, our thoughts, our speech, what we should think or what we should do. They have no right to be doing that. And we have a First Amendment right. Yet we have the FBI, we have the Department of Homeland Security, all participating in this. This is a real problem because this is a clear violation of the speech of, 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 of the First Amendment. And we are not talking about just talking points from, from the right. We're not just talking about this is what the court found. A court or made a finding of fact that this is what the government is doing. These are our First Amendment rights we are talking about. So we got to do something about this crap. Seriously. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, Tim, just to, just to give you a sense, uh, essentially that the, the thrust of this was all about this uh, um, issue of, of the government trying to censor our speech online. That was the majority of what he was going after Mayorkas about. And, uh, you know, boy, did he let him have it. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah i you know and by the way too I, i'd heard uh glenn greenwald talking about him uh not too long ago. in fact glenn greenwald had him on a show not long after he made that um grilling of of uh uh Mayorkas. um and he had uh said that uh, I, I think that's what glenn greenwald said that's the one question everybody should be asking is who of determines course. you know yes. well, uh, what is misinformation and disinformation you know and it, it certainly shouldn't be the government uh telling us all what to believe so uh you know, yeah. you know and i really like glenn greenwall okay because you know he's a left winger he he and he and i will agree on nothing i can tell you that <laughs> but, but at least the man is intellectually honest okay he's intellectually honest he can he can he can see these things happening and it's bad for everybody not only for the right or for the left it's bad for everybody and i really like that about him and and i mean it's, it's it's just it's just disturbing to see these things going on. Tim, Tim, Tim go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I I I agree. Uh, yeah, it's uh, about time. Um, in addition to these acts being the exact opposite of what their name is, it sounds like some of these departments are the exact opposite of what their name is. So, Department of Homeland Security is. Basically, the insecurity we feel in being able to voice our opinions. And, and I know we're going to talk about things related to the Department of Education, which is the Department of Uneducation. It should be, yeah. if it's properly named. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about the decline in uh, test scoring and... Yeah. It's like pretty soon they're going to stop the test scoring so that they don't have to listen to people bellyache about 
how poor the the United States is doing compared to other countries. Yes. Yes. Well, Tim, it, it's almost as though you checked out the topics. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly where we're going with this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't think about the Orwellian tie in to our Ministry of Education. <laughs> the fact that it does everything but. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good cue. That's a good transition, Tim, for us to jump over to that topic. Um, so uh, Leon had shared an article with us uh, earlier in the week. And so we wanted to show. Uh, uh, share that with the audience. And um, uh, James, maybe you could pull this one up. Uh, it's our public schools are a national disaster. Um, and it talks about how the ACT testing, uh, I, I think that's the, uh, that stands for the uh, uh, American, um, gosh, what is it? Uh, credentialing or, oh gosh, I can't um, what ACT stands for. But essentially, I this is remember. like yeah, it, it's like our uh, our SAT testing and uh, ACT testing. It's the same thing. It's funny. I looked this up right before the show, but just like mangling names, I'm mangling this acronym too. Uh, but but anyways, uh, this is the testing that essentially, if you'd gone to uh, applied to get into college out of high school uh, any time in the last decades, you know, on end, you would have had to give these standardized test scores as part of your uh, competitive criteria for why you should get one of these scarce spots at the more desirable schools. And um, and so one of the things that has happened in recent years with all this social justice wokeness is they've decided, well, they don't like the complexion of <laughs> of the people at the finish line after taking these tests. Um, and so they've decided, well, let's just, let's just do away with the tests. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but, but our ACT scores, it says for six straight years have been falling. And so it's, it's sort of like what better way to, you know, sort of dodge the issue of how badly our education system is performing than, you know, just sort of get rid of these tests. And that's precisely what they're doing. And for both the, the uh, racial reasons I, I just mentioned and uh, the idea that maybe because we're doing so poorly on these tests, it's like, well, let's just destroy the metric. <laughs> We don't like what the metric is telling us. And so it's uh, here's an article from U.S. News uh, and World Reports where it says that uh, um, a lot of the colleges now have moved away from this. And we saw this and we talked about this before in the show, how uh, the UC system here in California uh, had had moved away from it more for the race issue. They didn't like the racial, uh, you know, build of the student body. And they said, hey, we want the, to look differently. It doesn't matter how they think. We just want certain skin color yeah, <laughs> in yes. certain mixes. And so, that's what so we're after. And that's blend. all we care about. Certain blend, certain blend, yes. Exactly. And so uh, so it's led to the point where a lot of these schools, it says here in the article that uh, some 1,900 schools now, I believe, are not even bothering to ask for this stuff anymore to see these standardized test scores. Um, and uh, it lists a few here of the schools that um, – uh, that are, are still asking for these, but there's not that many. So MIT apparently is keeping their standards up where they want to see these test scores. Um, and there's a, a bunch of sort of uh, red state universities here too. Uh, uh, they're also um, after this, but for the most part, a lot of these kind of woke schools are just getting rid of the metric altogether so that they can sort of pick and choose. And, and we saw this recently with the Harvard uh, uh 
you know, uh, case that came in front of the Supreme Court with their admissions about the racial bias, uh, where, you know, the, the reason they're trying to get rid of these scores, maybe. And in fact, here's a, a recent article that Fee had, and it's been on a bunch of other things as well, uh, where they talk about this, this Asian kid who had near perfect SAT score, and he couldn't get it. He was rejected by almost all the colleges that he applied to. Why? Because just like Harvard was thinking, well, we've just got too many people who look like you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you don't get to come here because of the way you look, yeah. right? Because your you, your your eyes look a certain way, your skin color looks away. In fact, they even developed a metric, and we talked about it before on the show that uh, that that said uh, it, it had something to do with likability or something like. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they and they 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 scientifically determined that. Asians were were less likable than people with darker skin colors, and so they they literally they they pushed them out. And if that isn't racism, I don't know what the hell is. I mean, because that's systemic to the point where you've literally developed a metric to keep people out that you don't like the way they look. And so you say, "Hey, I want people who look a different way." Sorry, uh, this kid's name. Uh, his name is uh, Z- uh, Stanley Zong. Sorry, Stanley, you don't yeah. get to come here because of the way you look. Anyway. So we'll, yeah, let sounds you like, like George Wallace in 1963 <laughs> or 64 when you were standing in front of the doors of the University of Mississippi so and, and we wouldn't let black people in. You know, we used yeah. to complain about that, you know. Now we're standing at the doors and not allowing Asians in, you know, because they don't have the right skin color, they don't have the right uh, uh, a slant of the eyes or the slant of the eyes or the slide or whatever the hell it is they're thinking about. I just don't get it. We have now taken 1960, you know, well, prior to 1960, I should say, prior to the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, we have now taken that and transformed it and transported to 2023. And here we are, where we are making determinations by skin color. So what happened to Martin Luther King's statement of we should, he wants his children to live in a society where they are judged not by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. What happened to that? Where did we go wrong? Where did we fall off this path that where we were, we were making progress, where everybody was going to have rights and, 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 and freedoms and, 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 and King's dream was going to come alive where we will be living in this nation where we are judged not by the color of the skin, not by the color of the skin, but by the content of our character. What happened to that dream? You know what happened? It has now become a nightmare where we now have Jim Crow point two going on in America, especially on the campuses. This is what's going on. Yeah, Stanley would have something to say about that, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yes. And probably eloquently as well. But uh, the less eloquent thing is uh, for, for me to say, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> the um, Oh, systematized. Yeah, talk about systematized. Um, it sounds like this is a true example of systemic racism because this has sure. been into these schools that have that have uh, gone this direction. So, uh, yeah, if you want to complain about real systematized racism or systemic racism, there's your examples. That and the minimum wage law and the gun control laws and all these other systematic racist laws that... Uh, that uh, attack black people primarily, or, you know, or Asian people in this case. 
Well, and, and here's the crazy thing, Tim. I mean, this this wasn't really just attacking uh, Asian people. I mean, this was attacking uh, people. That essentially, the whiter you were, the worse it was for you. <laughs> and the darker your skin color, the better it was for you. You know, the more they liked you and wanted you in there and the less your test scores had to be. Um, but the, here's the crazy thing is that we're so brainwashed on this stuff that if it's if it's happening to white people, it's not a big deal. But if you can show that it's happening to another minority group, then suddenly it's a big deal. And the bottom line is a libertarian. It shouldn't matter what your skin color is. It's your individual rights that should matter. And it's it's yeah. you know about government funding and government should be blind to this. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's one thing you know if it's a private institution and they want to be racists and they only want to you know say hey you know we're the white hood club and you only get to come in if you wear your white hood okay well you guys have your fun you know as long as you're not hurting anybody you know, <laughs> you, know you do whatever the heck you want to do but you know once you get out there and you try and infringe upon other people's rights that's when it becomes a problem and and um I, I, you know these schools are taking government money and then they're sitting there telling people hey you're not the right skin color so you know we're not going to let you in so yeah man, that's other issue maybe government money shouldn't be there to be taken maybe maybe that's part of the huge problem here why they're doing this and going this directions and maybe that you know what where in the constitution does it give the federal government the power to fund education i don't know yeah. is it in there leon no well no i mean i mean you know surely there's a whole discussion we can have about about the government um role in in in, in education and how how it should function within within um within our society i'm 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 open for that discussion but the point is though we have what is happening here is the government making choices about winners and losers that's what they're doing and whenever they're doing that, we end up in a bad place. When they're doing that of, of human with human beings, we end up with, with with Jim Crow as we had prior to 1964 and 65. And now we are now we are slowly heading back in that direction, when where it's now a constitutional right to supposedly, I guess these colleges believe that to discriminate against certain people depending on the shade or the hue of their skin or the slantiness of their eyes. I mean, this is this is truly Orwellian stuff. And this is bad for us. It's really, really bad for us. Because if they could choose, if, if we could have one government choosing favorably for one group now, when, when a new government comes along, a new administration comes along, what is to stop them from choosing favorably for someone else? What is to stop them? If we're gonna, if we're gonna allow this, this this is insane. This is insanity. We well, are going backwards here, not forward. I, I can't help but notice too that you know the schools are so tied up, focused on this, and the whole point of why you shared that article with us is because the schools are failing in their core mission, which is exactly on their metric of their ACT scores of how well yeah. the the students are learning, and yeah. the students seem to be learning worse and worse, and yet they they want to dicker around with everybody's skin color that's just ugh, gosh. but you know but yeah. you know but you know you're raising a very good point you know jason the, the the fact of the matter is um black and brown kids are getting the shitty oh god so i'm sorry i'm sorry i get in the worst possible education you could think about in a country that is supposed to be the richest country on planet earth the worst you could think about 
I there was a survey not done done not too long ago. I think it was in Baltimore. They looked at 23 high schools. They could not find, listen to what I'm saying here. They could not find a single kid, a single kid who could read or do math at grade level. Now, if that is not a catastrophe, then I don't know what is. And the worst thing about this thing is getting back to the article that was there. Parents are now revolting. They are trying to get vouchers for their kids so the money could follow the child rather than fund a particular system that's in place and that is, that is not doing their job. But you know who's always standing in the way? It's the teachers' unions. And of course, they always fund the Democratic Party. The yeah. teachers' unions are standing in the way of our children getting a decent education. Education what? is the escape I from poverty. Go ahead, Jason. And, 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 and Leon, before you go too much farther into that, let me just introduce the, uh, just show these articles for the uh, audience that you've shared so that we can, you know, uh, get, give them a little bit of foundation on this. So so what is the solution then to, uh, you know, these terrible government schools and, and their <laughs> focus on race and wanting to uh, destroy test scores that reveal how terrible they're doing? Well, it's competition. And Jane, maybe you could bring up the visual on this. Um, uh, so it's uh, voucher systems are one of these uh, things that have popped up recently in a lot of places. And um, let's see, here's the uh, um, uh, American Federation for Children. And they give some uh, statistics here where this is becoming more and more popular. Uh, a lot of places are starting voucher programs. They say there's about 12 states that have voucher programs. There's some that have educational savings accounts uh, that will help people pay for something other than this public education uh, or government-run public education. Uh, there's, uh, you know, different uh, tax credit programs out there. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of states that are starting to push a lot of resources towards these alternatives. Um, and it's funny too, even Barack Obama, when he first came in, I remember he was he was actually trying to promote school choice just a little bit, I think, before the, yes. <laughs> the teachers unions, you know, sort of bent him uh, back to their will. But um, it's... Uh, uh, you know, and, and back then they, they actually had that uh, documentary that's worth checking out too, Waiting for Superman and the right. idea that, hey, this this ain't going to fix itself. You know, we can't sit around waiting for some white knight to come in and fix everything. Um, and the, the solution is choice, you know, and letting people vote with their feet on where it is they want to send their kids. And so they, there's just a little bit of, uh, you know, you can check out more of from uh, the uh, of Federation for, for Children, um, uh, American Federation for Children about some of these uh, statistics. But these Programs have become so popular that now they're they're running out of resources to fund these programs, which uh, is the article that uh, Leon wanted to share with us. And this is, uh, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, becoming a, a problem where it's showing, hey, there's so many people who have so little faith in the government provided education uh, that people are essentially uh, running away from these things to the point where they maybe they're going to become insolvent. Uh, anyways, you guys want to jump in on that a little bit? Go ahead, Liam. Well, well, the, the thing is, though, the thing is, Jason, that um, we, you know, even though the lockdown was horrible, the COVID lockdown was horrible, the one good thing I think that came out of the lockdowns was parents got a better picture of what their kids are doing in these public schools. They really did. And this is where we saw an acceleration in the in the need for school choice. These some that some of those programs that you were speaking about, the voucher systems, 
we saw an acceleration, a greater intensity, a greater focus on doing these things. This public schools are a disaster, we know that. But I think either parents were, were complacent or they were blinded by it or what, blinded by some of the fuzziness of all of it. But once the lockdowns came and they went remote and parents were able to see what was going on in our schools, this is where the intensity for vouchers and the intensity for school choice and for parents' choice and all these other things, this is where it started to accelerate. And that is the one good thing I have to give credit to for the lockdowns. And I don't agree with the lockdowns, but it's one good thing that came out of it. And I hope, and I hope that this will continue. We are seeing, of course, that article is showing that parents are demanding these vouchers now. They're running out of resources. I don't think there's a lack of money here. It's just that how the money is being utilized is the issue right now. That is what it is. Because we just say Iowa have, have successfully, well, they, I don't think they're fully implemented as yet, but they have successfully they are successfully transitioning to an all-voucher system. Arizona have, have done that. Uh, West, Virginia, West Virginia is not far behind. And there are several other states where, and you just showed the articles, J Jason, there are several other states where there's a lot of movement in this direction. But of course, the teachers' unions are there fighting, fighting for the current system as it is. And this is a real problem. But I hope to God parents will keep up the fight because they have to educate their children. If we are not educating the next generation, God help us for the future of this great land of ours. Yeah, that's good. I really don't have anything to add. That was good, Leon. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're you're our Superman on this, Leon. <laughs> waiting for you to jump out. And <laughs> I'll, I'll put my, I put on my red cape here pretty soon, man. I put yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, you know, I I, I think uh, we've gotten near the end of our show here, and so we want to uh, share with you our knucklehead noise patrol. And it's funny, this one kind of relates a little bit to the speaker stuff that we talked about early in the show, uh, the, the speaker of the house stuff, and you know, some of the the, the, the kind of thinking of the elites in Washington. And um, so we we had this uh, article here, uh, and uh, maybe you could share uh, uh, pop it up there, James. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, Hillary suggests. <laughs> formal deprogramming for MAGA extremists who, who still support Trump. And, and I thought this was kind of interesting, not only, you know, just the idea that somehow she has the audacity to, to think that, hey, it's just the other side that, that looks and acts and walks like a cult. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, my gosh, I mean, some of the stuff coming out of the Democrat Party, I mean, it's just, you know, you'd have to be deranged beyond belief to believe some of this stuff or, or to be in a cult. But but uh, anyway, so let's let's hear in her own words uh, some of this. May, uh, I, I've broken the interview up into a, a few different pieces because it was a little bit long. So uh, we're, we're going to put these in a little manageable chunks. But let's hear a little bit about uh, some of what Hillary Clinton thinks about, you know, sort of the MAGA people and what the solutions are for them. Area of coalition building that could happen. There are pragmatic Republicans, as you say, could There'd be a new, a whole new way of trying to, you know, get legislation going and cross-party governance going by Democrats and certain Republicans forming a coalition. Well, you saw uh, the number of Republicans who voted along with Democrats to keep the government open. So there's clearly a common sense uh, 
you know, sane uh, part of the Republican caucus in the House. Um, so so one the, the first thing I wanted to kick off right away is that she gets into the interview and what makes somebody sane is that they want to keep the government running and keep funding it <laughs> at any cost. That's that's her top criteria, which right away, I mean, as libertarians, we, we showed you that. that in, fact, in fact, maybe we could uh, uh, bring that up again real quick, just so we, we see what sanity and insanity yeah. are here, right? Yeah. This is yeah. our debt. This is what the government is telling us our debt is going to. Hillary Clinton's not worried about this trajectory of our debt. To her, that's that you'd have to be an extremist to be worried about this. Her her big worry is that government, you know, doesn't keep running, doesn't <laughs> that the wheels of government keep going and that this this trajectory keeps going. That's what her concern is uh, on this. So. Uh, you know, anyways, uh, let's jump into the next clip because the next clip is even more interesting on what her solution is to deal with people who think like us that, hey, this is a problem. There wasn't this little tale of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how so now we're we're into an Orwellian deprogramming of the cult members, and and quite frankly, anybody who doesn't like what she's doing is suddenly now a MAGA Republican. So yeah. I mean, I I don't like where the debt's going, and believe me, I have not voted for Donald Trump once. I, I have voted Libertarian all of these times. So, but I mean, to her, I'd be an extremist that is somehow somehow clumped into MAGA and would need deprogramming. Did have one other clip, but did you, you guys want to jump in on this? Because this this is really bizarre stuff that she's talking about, about we need to start deprogramming. It doesn't surprise me coming from her, uh, this this suggestion of a, of a formal deprogramming program. <laughs> um, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, she's always been despotic and tyrannical as her whole career. And uh oh, Tim looks like you froze. Ah, did I lose it? Uh, I'm here, and you, Tim. Go ahead. Yeah, she's just always been despotic. Uh, so it's it's not. Uh, a Leon, Tim, of, one who's fro. Uh, you you can hear me or no? I'm here. I'm here, and you, Tim. Um, Jason, are you having a problem? I'm here, and Tim. I, I, I think I got frozen out. Sorry about that. I don't know how uh, oh, my, my connection oh, okay. was bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. So there we are. Leon? Well, I, you know, you know, the, the thing is that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard taking, taking from a twice loser uh, uh, in the presidential elections who have remained bitter. We was beaten by Donald Trump. And now she, she think, she think that the, some of us who, who, um, who, have our thoughts about the debt, the national debt, and about the way the country, the direction of the country. All of a sudden, some of us, I guess, need the programming. You know, <laughs> talk about Orwellian. Talk about 1984. Yeah. Talk about a Ministry of Truth. Oh Lord, God help us if this woman ever become our our, our Lord and Savior. 
God help us. Yeah, yeah. It, clearly, Majorca would be marching to uh, Majorcas, who we heard earlier <laughs> being uh, interrogated by the new speaker, uh, yes. would be uh, you know one of her best allies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, there, there is one more piece of the clip, and I wanted to share that with you because it's a little bit informative on what she thinks. So uh, maybe we could share that last clip. It's a classic tale of uh, an authoritarian uh, populist uh, who really has a grip on the emotional, psychological uh, needs and desires of a portion of the uh, population. And the base of the Republican Party, for whatever combination of reasons, and it is emotional and psychological, um, sees in him someone who speaks for them. So, so she just said that this is a whole emotional, psychological thing that anybody who votes for Trump must just be bamboozled into depending upon the the the, the state to to do something. She's describing her own party too in those. I mean, you could apply everything she said about people yeah. voting for Trump to people who vote for Democrats. I mean, they yeah. <laughs> they've been bamboozled to emotionally need these people to speak for them and provide for them. Um, but you know, when when she talks about uh, this whole thing about being a, 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 a gosh, a, a, needing to be deprogrammed, mm -hmm. like like there's some kind of cult. I mean, imagine what it is that's coming out of the Democratic Party nowadays as far as cult think. I mean, we're literally talking about people who claim to support women's causes, who then when you ask them, well, what's a woman? And they, they, they can't tell you. They won't they tell, tell you. you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're, they're the same people who will sit there and they'll say racism is terrible and it's a systemic problem that we have to deal with. And yet, as you heard in the show earlier, uh, they support uh, systemic racism in the same breath of keeping people out of schools for uh, their, their skin color, you know, and, and uh, you know, trying to get the right people in because of their skin color. So, I mean, this, you know, and, and then this idea that you can just keep on printing more and more money, you know, as though it's some sort of magic money making machine that, you know, we can, uh, this all sounds like cult think, right? <laughs> yeah, well, Jason, Jason to, go, to go a step further on this, I don't know if you remember during the 2020, um, during the 2020 campaign for, for, the, for the presidency, Joe Biden was on a, a show called the, the Breakfast Club. Uh, I think it's run by some guy called, who calls himself Shamale the, the God or some kind of thing like that. And he said on the show, this is a national syndicated show, he said on the show, if you're having problems, you're speaking to his audience. His audience is primarily black. And this is Biden who's saying this, right? Yeah, Biden, okay. Yes, Biden is speaking yeah. now. Biden says... If you have problems deciding between me and Donald Trump, you ain't black. So talk about someone telling us, telling us black people how we should think, right? That's what he's doing. Telling us how we should think, how we should vote. And if we don't vote and think the right, quote unquote, the right way, we ain't black. We have yeah, Leon, appa business. apparently they think you need to be deprogrammed because obviously, <laughs> obviously. you're not thinking the proper way a black person should think. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of run, a lot of run down by Hillary Clinton Center for deprogramming and get my right, my right card, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, our, our screaming eagle is silent. Uh, I guess you've just been stunned by what you heard. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, 
never, never ceases to amaze me what's going on. <laughs> the ministry of the ministry of truth is here. That's what it is it's here. Okay. Nineteen eighty four is here. Dystopia yeah. is coming, coming and coming too too quick for for us. Well, you know, I, I you know, did. Did you have any last thoughts there, Tim? Or no, no. I thought I cut you off there. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Well, well, I, I I think that that pretty much uh, does it in a nutshell for this one. Um, but uh, thank you for joining us on this uh, episode. And like you said, we've got a whole lot of other episodes online. You can check them out at uh, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, and Rumble. Just look for Knuckleheads. Uh, of liberty.com and you'll find we've we've interviewed a lot of people there and organ people representing organizations too that are fighting for liberty around the country and in your region uh, so we encourage you to check those out as well uh, and leave comments too we'd love to hear from you um, and until the next time try and think of what you can do in your community to try and you know, promote liberty in some way. Uh, maybe there's something after hearing all these, uh, you know, different people and their ideas uh, that, that you could be doing because we definitely need it. I mean, we see the thought police and all the others are out there running 24 seven and they've got money behind them. And, you know, the only way this stops is if you get up and start joining the cause uh, and fighting for liberty. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us uh, until the next time. Uh, stay tuned and stay free. Yes, indeed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, always and forever. Thank you for listening to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Find us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, your favorite podcast network, and at knuckleheadsofliberty.com.